There are 7.5 billion people on planet Earth, and scientists say you can only make friends with 400 of them. Jacob already has 400 friends, so now he can only talk to strangers. This is a podcast with strangers. Dallas, Dallas. Yeah, what's up? If you're wondering where to find me, I'll tell you where I'll be. I'm in that in-between bit, that space where sky meets sea. In the whispers of the trees and the edges of your dreams. Close enough to almost touch, but slightly out of reach. I'm in the moon and in the stars, but never really far. And always, always, I'm there inside your heart. Oh, that's really sweet. (laughs) Did you write that? No, it was by um, a poet called Catherine um, Pruton or or, or, Pruton. Proton. Um, but I thought I would just um, just share that with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful words. Thank you. That you didn't write, but, you know, whatever. Okay. Because right. that doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, didn't have to. Okay. All right. Well, um... Oh, the podcast. Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah. Welcome to Podcast with Strangers. Um, I'm, I'm uh, Jacob Dyer. Uh, you might know me or not. I'm um, a man. I'm joined by Dallas, who's also you're you're also a man. Yeah, I identify as a man. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at the Jacob Dyer Media. Show off, show off. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm running a rampage on your Twitter, by the way. I'm doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> Many people are. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God! Uh, well, welcome, welcome to a podcast with strangers. This is a podcast where we do. We do indeed talk to strangers. We don't really know much about them. We know a few things, but it makes for a good conversation because we don't really know what we're doing. Um, the chaos, we embrace it, and hopefully you enjoy. So, Dallas, who do we have on this week? I actually know both of their names this time. Oh, look at us. Guys. Lazaro Herrera and Max. Excellent. And these boys... These boys are droners. They they droners. do stuff with drones. They are all about the drones. They like the drones. Um, to be clear, these are the um, little flying mechanical. I keep wanting to say apparatus, but it's definitely not gizmos. <laughs> That's a brilliant, brilliant word, gizmo. Yeah. So these little aerial gizmos. Well, I don't own one. Do you own one? Ah, I had one of those really cheap. RC ones that mm. just did like tricks in the air and then they get too far away and they just fall and explode into millions of pieces. Oh my God. Yeah. I've only ever played with them like maybe five minutes before I would break them every single time. That's annoying. Well, yeah. hopefully <laughs> we'll learn a little bit more about drones in these upcoming, po- uh, upcoming podcasts. Oh, do you know, I'm going, the, the doctor said it's terminal. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> they'll find a cure for season. No, <laughs> no, we're running out of time. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's roll on. Who we got on first? Is it Max or? Uh, oh, I'm so bad at uh, this. One of, them. <laughs> one of them's going to be. Oh, they're never going to give me a late night shot at this rate. Fucking hell. <laughs> the late night show with the amnesiac. <laughs> Christ. Run an interview. Stop stalling. Let's go. My next guest is Lazaro Herrera. Did I say that right? Yep, that's perfect. Oh, look at me go. From the United States, who is a FAA safety team drone pro. Uh, You are the first person I've introduced who has given me their complete title. 
Um, what does it feel like to be an FAA safety team drone pro? It's it, it, it's different in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. The FAA safety team is actually a volunteer organization. So when a lot of people hear about us, they're like, oh, no, I'm in trouble or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the FAA safety team was actually created as a, as a volunteer organization. It's made up of people like air traffic controllers, uh, pilots, uh, mechanics. The whole point of it is like the, the FAA doesn't like calling people out, right? Uh-huh. You, you give someone a fine. You have to find a, a repair shop or a mechanic. Like it becomes public record and it's like attached to their name. There's no reason to like every problem should be escalated. And really everybody's on board with the, you know, the safety. You know, everybody likes to get on things that fly and uh, uh-huh. get to where they want to go safely. You know, whether it's yeah. an airplane, a helicopter, there's a lot of other things that fly and all that. And in 2018, the drone pros were introduced and the commercial drone pilots can actually reach out to the drone pros for any sort of questions about uh, the hardware, the regulation, what's cool, what's coming out. You know, do you have some some improvement to the way things are done? Mostly, everybody wants to support the ongoing industry and make sure that things are moving in the right direction. Yeah. So, what is it about drones that you find cool? What is it about them that that makes you want to play with them? The technology is, is I'm a technologist, right? So uh-huh. so I have a bachelor's in computer science. I am a, have a master's in cybersecurity information assurance. So I'm, so I'm all into technology, you know, anything that's uh-huh. cool and where the technology has improved it, you know, 3D printing, uh, drones. Drones are the latest in, in what technology has been applied and it's making us move forward in, uh-huh. in, a, in a direction. Um, we're seeing very interesting cases. Um, there's uh, there's drone companies that are delivering medicine uh, uh, overseas to rural areas. You know, uh, yeah. these are places that don't even have roads, so uh, it doesn't matter. Just launch a drone, and as you're flying over in your 10 mile journey, just drop the medicine packet um, mm-hmm. in an empty spot where it won't land on someone's head. Um, right. We're seeing in the U.S. There's uh, there's companies that are getting waivers for operating beyond visual line of sight, which means that they can get their drone underneath a bridge without having to shut down the bridge and they can do a quick inspection and improving public safety. There's 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 a couple of companies in the US who are actually doing like uh, 3D scanning of underneath uh, overpasses and highways, which improve like road safety. Like uh, drones are getting us to the future slowly um, as time goes on. And what's the biggest drawback of that march towards progress? Is it battery life? Um, is it is it the public's perception? You know, or is there nothing in the way? You know, is the sky the limit? Pardon the pun. So the so the, the sky. I mean, the pun is good. The sky. Is the <laughs> limit. I mean, to be honest, that was a pretty good one. Um, in terms of of drawbacks, it is battery. Like the technology has okay. gotten better. We have we have drones that can you know that can loiter for about thirty minutes. The problem is like think about everything else that's cool about like you know the technology stuff like mm-hmm. self-driving cars and all that stuff like a self-driving car right the limitation is a battery but guess what if you if your car is standing in a red light you're not spending electricity it doesn't work that way for a drone if mm. you're flying and you're standing still you're still burning electricity to counteract the effects of gravity um mm. battery is the biggest thing public perception has shifted a little bit um that is one of the things that the faa safety team does encourage a lot like even though you may not be doing something illegal you may be doing something that's annoying people you know like right. you know if you're if you're whizzing by at 10 feet off the ground you know making a whole bunch of noise um 
you know, you're not helping, right? Mm -hmm. um, public perception is pretty, pretty important, you know, in general. Uh, we have a lot of people who are like, well, you can't, you can't fly in this place. It's like um, the FAA owns the sky. Okay. Um, and, and that also goes the other way, you know, why can't I take off in my own backyard? Right. right. Um, public perception is, is changing though. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot of changes from, from many industries. Like if you look at the cinema industry, a lot of the things they used to require a helicopter and an expensive helicopter crew, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you call it a drone. Uh, you can get a couple of extra shots. You can actually see the footage uh, live. That's just part of, you know, technology. Technology has mm. kept moving forward. But, you know, you don't have to get up in the air and have your entire crew, you know, to see what you're looking at or whatever. You mm. could have a ground station and everybody can be seeing what you're capturing for this feature film. So do you think that drones are going to be used in espionage um, or, or military applications and things like that, like spying on... Uh on other nations or do you think that's already happened oh that's that's already happened we i mean to, to be completely honest the first set of drones or what we call like unmanned aerial vehicles was the reaper drones which uh, initially were um, spy uh, aircraft and then were later on armed uh, with um with yeah. uh, ground strike weapons so it, it really is there's a, there's a there's always a lag between certain technologies right the, sure. there's technologies that start as consumer grade technologies right mm -hmm. you know and then there's there's technologies startup military grade computers like the internet as or arpanet as it was originally called mm -hmm. was mostly a, a network for communication and then well we we figured out that we, the the consumers could also use this for yeah to be to be clear to the listeners, when I say drone, I don't mean the big predator drones with the chain gun on the front right. of it. I'm talking about the stuff that looks a bit like a DJI Phantom Four rotor blades. Yeah, you know, um, because from from my, I'm not a spy. I'm not tied to espionage in any way. But I would have <laughs> thought, you know, that would have been a nice piece of tech to get somewhere and then spy on a person of interest perhaps but i guess it's the noise would be the would be the main issue so so the, so the noise isn't so much the problem it's the battery concern so once you most uh, some of the smaller stuff that's coming out for example the dji mini 2 once you get up about 100 feet away from someone you can't hear the propeller blades Oh, um, right. the, the sound the sound dissipation it really is the the, the technology um uh, some states have actually uh, kind of uh, passed laws on this um, specifically the espionage uh, from police departments so you cannot use um, a drone as an extension of your of your oh. search efforts without a warrant um, specifically uh, and that your standard uh, other things would be covered by the privacy laws you know the voyeurism laws and whatnot yeah. uh, mostly like you know, there's a lot of things that are not illegal by law, but are just a terrible idea, you know? Right. Because in, in my country, at least, you know, we have helicopters that have thermal imaging on them and stuff like that. Right. So do you think that'll that'll be applied to drones in the future and they'll they'll be able to pursue suspects, maybe multiple, maybe have a fleet of them? I don't know. I'm just spitballing an idea so, here. So, so thermal cameras are now available in the market and it's oh, not wow. as expensive as you would think $1,500 gets you a thermally equipped drone these days oh um, wow which is uh, like but that's the thing the technology gets better it really is the battery that's holding everything back you have GPS yeah. you have GLONASS that provides the the fine control you need um I think it's really the battery uh, and and there is a couple of ideas on that you know like what what if you're pursuing a suspect what should you do oh well each each station has a set of drones and then you can just hand over 
you know, right. their, their pursuit to the next set of drones as they approach each individual police station or mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you have a background in computer science. Yes. Um, what is the, I don't know when you, when you graduated and everything like that, but I'm just assuming that technology must have moved on way far from when you, you know, it changes every two years. That's what they say, you know, computer operating yeah, systems the, and stuff like that. The technology has changed a lot since um so so i graduated when it, at the beginning of the cloud like the idea of the right. cloud aws azure those uh, you did have the idea of a data center that wasn't owned by you you could get co-location but the idea that you would just send all your data out to a third party that was so foreign um right in general so do you do you feel like you have to keep up to date with computer science to make sure that your degree is still relevant? It is. It is an. It is an ensuing thing. But the one thing you do get with the degree, specifically on the foundational for computer science, is that nothing is so unique that you have to rethink everything, right? Okay. Okay. Um, and there is a cyclical uh, method to computers in general. Um, it goes from extremely thin clients to very fat clients. And what we mean by that is, at the beginning, the processing speed. Uh, wasn't very good. So you had the thin clients that just displayed like your displays and your computer wasn't very powerful. And then we went to all oh, computers are kind of powerful. And then now we have now, now we're kind of regressing, right? Uh, wow. You see a lot of the machine learning and all the all the stuff, even the mobile devices, right? A lot of the stuff that you're using on your mobile devices are like, oh, you know, you have this application, but all the processing is being done somewhere else. It, it is extremely cyclical and it really follows the the other limiting factor for for which would be for computers would be the uh, internet speed. That's always been a limiting factor, whether or not something is a thin client or a very fat client, and also the cost of the hardware. Right. Yeah. And you also you mentioned you have a background in computer uh, security, internet security. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, cybersecurity information assurance. Excellent. So, what would you say is the biggest? Here's your chance to scare our listeners. What would you say is the biggest threat? out there for not just computers, but also on the internet and um, all things cyber. Nah, there's no reason to be scared. I think the I think the whole of it is we, we design these systems, right? And then we uh -huh. make them happen. And sometimes uh, things aren't set up in a completely secure way. Um, one of the biggest threats to the market are really the uh, Internet of Things devices. We, we buy these devices and the problem is really that you plug them in somewhere and there's never any updates. So if there's any sort of problem with it, security-wise, the, the solution is just throw it in the garbage, generate some waste. <laughs> like, that's really it. Um, we've, we've seen it across the... The, the spectrum, we had uh, the Mirai botnet, for example, that was a very common one. So it was thousands and thousands of security cameras that have been like hijacked. And basically they would just point to a website and that website would just fall over under the uh, load from all these requests that were being made to it. Wow. There's a, there's a fear factor to it. Like uh -huh. you can say like, oh, you know, what if somebody threatens or targets a nuclear power plant or, or the 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 like the power grid right those are the big ones that people think of but even even the simplest things right like uh, we don't think about how much we depend on the internet right uh, just think about it you you pay your bills on the internet right yeah um some some of us get like our, our our metro passes from the internet like imagine like even just the simplest things that you do in your life uh even even network com uh, telephone communication telephone communication is sometimes routed through the internet you may be making a call to the local tower from there it's all internet traffic 
Like there may not be a physical power line, right? I mean, a telephone line that's connecting your call from the other place. So if uh, a solar flare, for example, which is which is the legitimate fear, um, yeah. knocked out a lot of our uh, power grid and, and therefore internet grid, do you think that the world would, would spiral pretty quickly is what I'm getting from that? I don't think I don't think it'd be like I, I think the uh, the apocalyptical like breakdown of society is is it's not that likely. Um, we have seen uh, solar storms actually mess with uh, computing systems in the past. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, the loss of the power grid would be a problem, actually. In terms of we 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 have used technology to advances, right? You know, sure. we, we use it for for water purification for for growing food, mm-hmm. uh, transportation, like how, how would you how would you keep, for example, all the generators fed if there was no power, right? How do you right. move the gasoline around? Well, I mean, you could, uh, but you'd have to go back to paper maps, for example. That's, right. that's the starting one, right? Yeah. Um, how do you route uh, all the gasoline around? You know, uh, oh, phone calls. Yeah, yeah, you need to communicate, right? Guess, guess what? <laughs> the telephone. Um, it's it, it's a different thing. It's something you um, it's something that should be considered, but um, you know it's it's kind of been thought of, and you know like Hollywood hypes it up a lot. Yeah, of course. If if you do want to go into that, um, I think uh, bringing on someone from the ham radio community would be interesting. I I think ham radios are very cool. I think they're <laughs> a very cool piece of technology, and I'm glad they haven't died out. No, they never will. Um, a lot of the fallbacks for 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 a lot of our emergency services and 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 emergency uh, broadcasts actually do rely on hamburgers. Oh. For example, during the during the recent, uh, I don't know which hurricane it was. It was one of the very recent ones. Uh, I think the FCC lacks in some of the rules around ham radio because in that area that was the only way to communicate. Um, oh. Look, we take a lot of our modern. Um, capabilities for for granted, but if you're connected yeah. to a local, uh, you know, like cell phone tower, those towers, you know, they don't have a dedicated generator. They may have some battery power, mm. but um, as as soon as there's a hurricane in your local area, if you're in the U.S., for example, time mm. how long it takes before your cell phone service dies. It's yeah. it's not it's not something that's guaranteed to be there 24 seven. So getting back to the drone stuff which is why i invited you on um yeah, no worries. do you think there is a legitimate fear that terrorists might get hold of drones we've talked about um the federal services using them and we talked about like medicine being delivered but what about bad people using them um do you think that's a legitimate fear um there's always a legitimate fear that any technology can be used by bad people you sure. know well, let's start with some other technologies, right? Uh, the simplest one is firearms, right? If somebody goes like, well, some terrorists got some firearms, well, you'd be like, well, that's terrible, right? Uh-huh. Um, 3D printing. Uh, one of the biggest fears was 3D printable guns. It, it, it's just like anything else, all right? Uh, technology can be used for good, and technology can also be used for bad. So you're not uh, afraid that somebody might, you know, put some explosives on a drone and then fly it? I'm sure I'm not the first person in the world to come up with that idea. All right, um, on, a, on a theoretical basis, yes. On a practical basis, um, remember, right? Uh, batteries, right? Sure. The more weight, the less flight time. Yeah. But th- it's not something that is a practical thing, right? Like it could be done. I'm sure somebody could do something dumb with the drone, and we've seen plenty of people do something dumb with drones. Yeah. We've seen plenty of people do something that's dangerous with the drone, but nobody has done it on a on a purposeful basis, right? Yeah. But 
you know, just like anything else, you it's it's terrifying to think about certain things, right? I think um, there was actually in my country uh, last year or maybe the year before, there was actually somebody who was flying drones around an airport and um, they were grounding planes because obviously you can't fly a plane when there's a drone around. Um, and I think they brought out jammers and they were trying to... I don't know how jammers work. I don't know if it's like a, a gun that you fire at the drone. Do you know anything more than I do about so, jammers? So, all right. So on the on the drones around the airport, yeah, that is one of the first things. If you buy yourself a little drone, okay, yep. just yep. so we're clear, okay. Um, airplanes uh, go to airports because there's these things called runways. They're made out of concrete. And that's <laughs> yeah. where you can land, right? Um, and planes that don't land on runways usually it doesn't go really well, right? Um, that's why they call it the miracle at the Hudson. The Hudson's not a runway; it's a river, guys. Okay, it's yeah. a river, and somebody landed on the river. Um, as part of an emergency, right? So uh, drones around an airport, it is very, very easy to scare everyone because a drone around an airport can be extremely dangerous because you are not uh, in control of the drone because wind could push you right into the runways, okay? Mm. Uh, no one has tested the you know drone versus engine, but we know from bird strikes that bird strike versus engine could cause an emergency, right? We've, we've had yeah. it happen, right? So there's no reason to doubt that something that's made out of plastic and metal and computer components could cause a serious problem. Mm. Uh, in terms of jammers, right? So what, what a jammer usually is, is just uh, in the same frequency that is being used, which most drones use the standard Wi-Fi frequency. So you get 2.4 gigahertz and the 5 gigahertz um, uh -huh. frequency. What you're doing is just blasting energy there to try to overwhelm the other, um, the other parties so they lose control. But mm. that... That that that's not going to bring the drone down, right? We've oh. we've seen uh, we've seen certain things in the market, like for example, there's a company that makes a 12 gauge uh, 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 cartridge for a shotgun that spreads out as a net, and that's how they usually catch uh, the drones. Oh, um, cool. In the U.S., it's illegal to fly over a prison. Uh, there's fears that uh, they won't be dropping bombs; they'll be dropping drugs. See, that's right. the one you should have asked about. You should have been right. like. What if somebody's smuggling drugs to the prisoners? Yeah, unfortunately, as a prisoner, you don't have the rights to have drugs. Um, <laughs> not allowed, you know, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to do <laughs> I like the idea of this special shotgun cartridge with a net in it. It feels very Spider-Man. It's, it's been tested. Uh, apparently, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's... Uh, yeah, you can't mess with that. Yeah. <laughs> well... We've come to the end of the interview. I think we've run out of time. Um, but what we like to do uh, with with our guests who come on is give them a platform at the end of the sh of the interview um, where they can promote themselves or uh, their social media or a project or a cause or somebody in their life that they think needs a shout out or just send a message to the world. And you can you can do multiple things. You can say as much as you want. Um, we just like to give people this chance to you know say something. Um, so this is your time with no interruption. Um, off you go. All right, I'll just do a quick shout out to the uh, FAA safety team. I think the, the goals and what we're doing on an ongoing basis is really to keep everyone safe. You know, you should always feel safe to get on an airplane, to get on a helicopter, to get into anything that flies. Uh, not just in the U.S., the FAA safety team also coordinates with other countries. So. Um, we want people to be safe. It's it's ultimately mm -hmm. the goal. All right. So um, you can always reach out. There's always uh, events. There's actual uh, ongoing events. And uh, 
sometime next, uh, sometime in the previous month, uh, September, we had the uh, drone safety awareness uh, where there was a lot of local events uh, for flying and learning how to fly. And uh, it would have been great if you had shown up, Jacob, but you were late. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was busy. I was in my helicopter. You were in your helicopter. Ah, there you go, man. <laughs> Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate uh, your coordination and uh, giving giving us a chance to uh, have a conversation about some interesting issues. Actually, oh, it's a pleasure. And this this whole podcast is about you know having people on um, that some people may not think twice about. You know, but drone safety is a thing. You know, as we advance into this twenty first century, we have to think about the technology that's around us. So thank you for being so knowledgeable. Equally, yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Herrera. Um, and again, guys, listeners, please check out the FAA safety team. You said everyone can volunteer for this. Is that, is that, uh, so, right? th so there's, uh, no, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Ignore no. me. Ignore me. Just check them out. The FAA. <laughs> <laughs> We're a professional podcast, guys. No, 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 no. The FAA safety team is made of volunteers, but you right. have to have certain certain requirements. For example, for drone right. pros, you have to be a commercial drone pilot with right. technical skills. Right. For an air traffic controller, you just have to be an air traffic controller. Uh, you can always join any of the meetings, but uh, you know, if you have interest in the in the safety, if you want to learn some of the stuff, there's some interesting yeah. stuff about uh, weather. If you're if uh, you know for for pilots, there's interesting yeah. briefings and all that. Okay. See, this is what happens when Dallas leaves me alone. I don't get my information. See, there you go. Yeah, I need Dallas back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. Welcome back to a podcast with strangers. Um, I, I don't have the script in front of me, so I don't know what to say next. Uh, but you join us in the middle part of the podcast. Normally, we do interviews. So No, we don't. What am I talking about? Normally we do reviews, but we're not doing well. We are reviewing this week, I suppose, in a way. Um, I'm doing a remote, which means that I'm away from this, <laughs> away from the desk, and I'm outside. This, that's right. We have enough money in the budget for me to go outside this week. <laughs> He's allowed outside. <laughs> so, Finally. So I'm gonna go and review uh, the worst toilet in the world. It's gonna be very good. And Dallas is going to interview me about it. So here we go. Well, let me give you guys some background to the worst toilet in the world. Um, it's at my grandmother's house. And it's outside. It's, an, it's, it's not a dunny. It's just an outside, it's an outside loo. We call them loos. What's a dunny? A dunny is like a, 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 it's a, another word for thunderbox. It's like a... a, a, a What's a thunderbox? Well, a hole. A hole you poo in. Oh, like a, like a bathroom. Well, no, just a hole, just a hole in the ground. Oh, a hole, yeah. just any hole, yeah, like a porta potty kind of. Yeah, but like, I think that's the only yeah, hole I ever poop, poop in. All right, I'm outside the, I'm outside the outside toilet now. All right, dear listener, I got a. So there's a blue door. There's a blue door at the front of it. I think, I think the most anticipated question is, how does it smell? All right, well, smell like? let me just stop you right there and tell you that there's a outside. There's a shovel or spade is that for the. Is that for the poop? I don't know. <laughs> But that's very, very, it's very strange. Um, it's, it's, what, what is the digging apparatus with the straight edge to it? What do they call that? Is that a spade or a shovel? I think that's a shovel. We'll call it a shovel. All right. Yeah, like a flat shovel. Yeah. yeah. God, this feels like Silent Hill. All right. So there's, um, 
there's no handle on the door. It's just a chain that links to a nail. So I'm going to undo the chain now. Oh, God. I'm approaching the door. All right, I'm opening the door. Good Jesus Christ. Okay, there's a light switch. <laughs> Is it also attached to a chain? No, it's not. Thank God. Well, you're not going to believe this, Dallas. There's nothing in here. Apart from a toilet. Is it like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to ask, is, it, is there a toilet at least? Yeah, there's a toilet. Don't get me wrong. Now, what gets me is the fact that... So I'm looking at this now. Do you know what? I'll turn the picture. Maybe we can, uh, we can put that on the podcast. Put it on the, the socials. Yeah, put it on the socials for sure. Um, there's, a, there's a toilet roll on the wall that is covered with about six kilograms of wet, of cobweb. Is there any, is there any toilet paper? No. There's a lot of dry so this leaves. Is like a, There's a lot of dry leaves. And cobweb. It's like yeah. silk yeah. right there. What gets me is there's a bottle of bleach on the Ooh. on the top of the toilet that is still in date. It expires the 10 of 22, 20, 2022. So how how long does it take bleach to expire? I don't know, but it doesn't look like an old an old bottle of bleach. I think this is where COVID came from. Um, <laughs> six months, yeah, yeah, takes six months. Um, Someone was in there cleaning. There's a toilet brush in here, which I find insane. There's a toilet brush, but no toilet paper. But no toilet paper. Um, so you said, how does it smell? Well, unfortunately, as you know, my nose doesn't work as well as it used to. Not because of COVID, just because it's a bad nose. Um, dusty. Yeah. Dusty would be the term. This doesn't smell like poo. Dusty. Do you want to do a flush test? Yeah, let's 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 hear that. All right. Bad boy. You ready? ready? Three, yeah, yeah. two, one. Oh wow. We have flush. We have flush and How, how's the water oh, flow? Water looks it fine. It looks good enough to drink. Nice and hearty. Yeah, good enough to nice. drink. Nice. Yeah, you could you could definitely have a go on that. Um, so does your grandma know that you're in there right now? No, she's in a nursing home with dementia. She probably doesn't know my name anymore. Um, uh, but that's fine. I mean, you know. Um, but here we are, you know, and, and thank God. So yeah. Any other questions you got Dallas? Uh, just a request. Yeah. Can you, um, sit on it? No, I'm not going to do that. This, this, you're not going to No. How do you know? It's like. You know, structurally intact. I, that's that's the it. thing, and I don't want to fall into the toilet. Well, what? Just push on it with your hand. Then, oh just God damn it! Do you, just touch the toilet. Just touch the toilet, please. What do you? Okay. What do you? Do you want to sit on the seat as in as if I'm going to poop, or do you want to talk? Yeah, the, yeah. God damn it! All right, I was like, you could keep your pants on. Though, yeah. I guess. Oh, thank you so much for that permission. All right, here we go. I'm sitting down. That's the coldest toilet seat. That's actually negative 30 degrees Celsius. What the fuck? You feel well, it through your down. pants? Yeah, it's that cold. Well, wow. I'm sat on it. It has, it's like that fake leather. It has like a cushion texture to it. Oh, it's like one of those squishy, yeah. squishy toilet seats. Yeah. yeah, I hate those. Or like the toilet seats with like the carpet on it. You yeah. ever see those? Oh, yeah, I do. Well, you know, you've got a beautiful view of the spade on the outside. So, you know, when you're taking your time, you can admire stuff. Anyway, you got a roof over your head. What more do you want? Are the floors like nice or are they like dirt? No, it's Is it like a barn floor. It's yeah. It's sort of exposed stone with dried leaves. We've got about six bags of leaves 
surrounding just strewn me. in there like yeah is there a tree in there where all, no, all the leaves come I from? Don't, I don't know, but as far as I'm concerned, this is all free toilet paper. So, you know, you'll be thankful for it if you ever get caught short here. No, yeah. and, and some people may be wondering, is there a sink? No, there's no sink. So it's just, so, uh, yeah. Just leaves. Leaves. Rub your hands in some dirt. Yeah, well, you got the bleach. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, true. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not a total loss. Um. All right, well. Just toilet in a room. I like it. Toilet oh, in a room, yeah. yeah. No, I got a, I yeah. got a really good mental picture of this place. All right. Kinda. Wonderful. All right. I'm shutting the door on it now. I'm turning off the light. I'm saving the environment. Oh, Christ, it's dark. If that light went out, you'd be fucked. You would immediately... <laughs> you would be done for. I, I think you'd actually miss the toilet. You'd, I, uh, actually, do you know 100% you'd miss the toilet. Oh, is it that small of a toilet? No, I just think if it's dark. Oh, you mean going number one? Yeah. yeah. My brain's on number two right now for some reason. Well, I actually, I actually went to a house party once and somebody was so drunk they missed the toilet and went up the walls doing a number two. I always enjoy that that thought. They missed the toilet. They were that drunk. They, started, mm, I, they kept rotating as they went to sit down. I went to a pizza hut in, uh, in New York one yeah. time and they just, they like looked like they started in the toilet and then just started walking away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're not done. <laughs> and it was like... It was a long, it was a long boy. So I like that. Well, yeah. dear listener, I hope you enjoyed that remote segment. Um, we may potentially yeah. do more. I've got a couple of ideas of things I can go look at, and uh, you can join my wacky world. Where this sort of thing is fairly normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. I'm gonna go. How do I end this? Cool. Okay. Goodbye. Enjoy the next interview. My next guest is Max from detroit um am i right in thinking detroit is steel city is that the term is that the no i think that's pittsburgh right we're motor city motor city that's the one yeah and as as, i I heard that detroit is actually regenerating right now yeah Um, it's it's really gaining its livelihood back and it has been for the past couple years and uh i've only recently moved here uh, as uh a year and a half ago but it's it's become a much more beautiful place than the stories I heard before I moved here. Yeah, I mean, I've heard just as an outsider from a complete ocean away that Detroit isn't a nice place to be. But then I also heard that Detroit is like getting back on its feet. And I don't know if it's necessarily the automotive industry that's fueling that. I don't know. Do you know more than I do about, about the economy of Detroit? I don't know. Yeah, so uh, the automotive industry, I think part of the reason why it's it's it was like turned poorly in the first place, I think, is because a lot of the automotive industry has started to move offshore and over to Japan and to China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm also not an expert on this, but it seems like uh, Detroit's kind of revitalizing itself around its arts. Uh, oh, and if you go downtown and there's there's a ton of really cultural, diverse uh, murals and a lot of locations where it's, you know, it's a party downtown. Every single, every single time I go down, uh, there are there's like a, a bike bar where I think like 10 or so people will sit down at a bar and mm-hmm. it's like the size of a car and everyone's pedaling. And in oh, the middle right. of it, you know, there's just someone serving beers and drinks. Nice. Uh, and it's just every single day, there's just every evening, there's somebody having a beer and, and biking around the downtown Detroit. So yeah, it's a, it's a good time now. It's a, it's a really good vibe there. Oh, wonderful. That sounds great. But you're not on here to talk about Detroit. Um, there's there's two things that you are well versed in, should we say? Um, one of them is transportation engineering, and the other one is drones. Yes. And if we were going to draw a Venn diagram of the two of them, obviously my question is, 
when are we going to be able to ride on a drone? Ah, uh, man, I think the question isn't if the technology is there. It's if it's the ethics and the legislation needs to be there. I see. Uh, and it's very similar to autonomous vehicles where we can have people flying on automated planes. I mean, half the I, I feel like at this point, most planes are flown on autopilot and it's really just any like really serious situations where a pilot has to take over. Hmm, um, and a big part of it is like the public's perception of, well, do I trust machines? Um, people don't really have a great understanding of what hacking is really like. You know, they probably think it's someone in like with a matrix, uh, green text on black screen kind of getting right. into whatever they want. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big part of what's slowing us down. But the technology is definitely there. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're bringing it into things like Amazon deliveries. Uh, I think some food delivery services are starting to, you know, test out the idea of delivering food and meals to your backyard using a drone. Yeah. Uh, but then another thing with it is a lot of people don't like the security breaches of drones. Uh, if a drone's flying over their backyard, especially if you live somewhere closer to other people, and maybe you're the one who's getting the food, you're okay with it, but your neighbors might start, you know, pulling out, especially in America, they might start pulling out, you know, guns. And I've heard <laughs> actually like someone shooting a bow and arrow at a yes. drone because it was uh, flying too close to their backyard, right? And yeah. and at that point, again, it's, a, it's one of those things where the public needs to have trust in it and the system needs to have some sort of legislation in place for it to seamlessly transition into our daily lives. Yeah. So... But some people will say drones are just the quadrocopter uh, flying machines. But some people would also say that drones can be anything um, that is remotely controlled um, and has wheels. Um, so, so do you have a personal definition of what you would call a drone? That's actually really cool that you brought that up because sure. I think colloquially we started to say drones as that quadcopter. Um, or something with multiple props, multiple propellers. Um, but yeah, it's it really the, the general de definition, especially before DJI really came out with all these drones that are accessible to consumers, sure. uh, is that it's just an unmanned vehicle. Uh, it could be a flying vehicle. It could be a ground-based vehicle. It could even be in the water, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly, I think the term related to airborne vehicles, like um, especially for like like UAVs, right? The unmanned airborne yeah. vehicle. I, I don't know what the UA actually stands for, but... Unmanned aerial vehicle, I believe, is the acronym. Right, yeah. So, you know, those were what drones were to us until they became very accessible to the market. And, you know, you could buy a drone for uh, less than $500. Yeah. And in some cases, you can get really small quadcopters for, you know, like 30 to 50 bucks. So I feel like that's just sort of the term that people are starting to, to, to define it as. And... When I say I'm a drone pilot, that's that's the only drone that I pilot. Well, the interesting thing is I haven't actually seen, I've seen, obviously I've seen DJI, which is a brand for the listeners unaware. Um, I've seen those because they're on like YouTubers videos now. Like, you know, it's it's pretty standard for a YouTuber to have a drone at this point. Um, and I've also seen supermarkets um, in this country deliver stuff by roaming six wheel carts. I don't know if you've seen these. The supermarket puts the food, the produce, the food in them, and then it just goes to someone's house and waits. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I've never, I've never seen them in person, but some of my friends will post a story, uh, especially the ones that live downtown. They'll post mm -hmm. a story of them following one of these cars, <laughs> just to see where it goes. Yeah, a little bit. 
and and you know rescue it if it ever falls into a ditch or something i guess oh uh, yeah i bet that happens but i've never seen one in the water i've never seen it uh, all I, I mean i've seen a remote control boat if that counts because I, mm-hmm. I guess it does but i've never seen like a a drone submarine for example um is that is that anything to do with radio waves and water or is that because of the depth uh, you can definitely still have radio waves in water um, because it is a different medium. The radio waves do need to be uh, calibrated for the water. Um, mm. That's just from you know basic, I guess, knowledge of waves. Sure. I'm not entirely a professional about that, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they definitely exist, especially for things like um, like underwater recovery, search and rescue. Um, I'm sure at this point, you know, you could take it down to like, for example, where the Titanic lies. And you could probably swim down there and, you know, record stuff. But uh, there are also some consumer products where you can buy, uh, you know, little cameras that go on submarines that you can just fly underneath or swim underneath pools and stuff. Oh, cool. So your background is in transportation and the engineering of it. And one of the biggest, I I guess, popularized um, transportation that's come out over the last few years is Elon Musk's venture uh, into drilling holes in California. Um, and for the listeners who who may not have um, heard of this, it's the Hyperloop. I, I think that's the name of it. The yes. Hyperloop. Um, and he wants to try and. Well, I don't know. Do you want to explain it rather than me butchering it? So I think the premise of the Hyperloop is that we've kind of oversaturated, and also the car isn't the most effective uh, medium or mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very individualistic, and roads are kind of annoying uh, and you only have a two-dimensional sort of flatland approach to it uh, whereas in the air and underground you could theoretically go above and below without having to like go to a stop sign and then wait for adjacent or perpendicular traffic to cross by mm-hmm. so the hyperloop takes everything that we want from above ground or sorry in 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 air transportation and we bring it underneath uh you know two tunnels so his boring company which is uh you know, boring as in like dug, digging tunnels underground is I think one of the big parts of that is to make a system of network of tunnels that allows for, and it's kind of like, you know, the tube in London, right? Sure. Where yeah. it's just more efficient and especially for mass transportation. Uh, and that combined with all of his technology with Tesla's and uh, autonomous vehicles uh, is allowing it to be really efficient. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're just driving in a tunnel, you know, you'd still have to deal with all of the uh, the fears of the person in front of you being too close or, you know, afraid of rear-ending somebody. Uh, or, you know, if you have multiple lanes, you know, the guys who are going to be really aggressive at lane changing. That's going to cause a lot of traffic and could potentially create uh, these things in transportation engineering called phantom mm-hmm. intersections, uh, where it seems like there's some sort of accident that happens and all of a sudden it clears up. Uh, and that's because of the delay of reaction time from person to person when you have right. oversaturated traffic flow. So. Yeah, that's a long way of saying the Hyperloop is sort of the uh, the current thought of how to uh, uh, bypass this uh, current old way of thinking of cars the only way to drive, especially in the US. I know in, in the UK, you have a lot more rails, which is, I think, still better uh, mm-hmm. than what we have here. So, yeah, I think that's it, it's it's the current goal to so- solve our current problems. It's actually interesting you, you brought up rails. Um... I don't know if you've looked into the UK's rail network, but from the the east to west, so from Bristol to London, London to Bristol, um, that's fine. But there's the the north of the country has has been left out, and there's a new 
rail network being installed called HS2, which stands for High Speed 2, because it's the second high speed railway. And um, that's that's facing a maybe you should come over here and, and sort it out because there's just a lot of issues. Because when you the thing about laying tracks in this country is those tracks have been there since Victorian times, you know, but if you want to build new railway tracks, then you have to look through new land that hasn't been built on. And that means going through like ancient forest land or green pastures, you know, or, or people's people's farms. So yeah, it's a real issue. It's a real, real issue in this country. It's funny you bring up the HS2 because uh, my company, well, part of my company is actually working on some of the segments of HS2. Oh, really? Yeah. How are you finding it? Uh, I So I've only talked to a couple of, uh, of, of employees that are over there. Obviously, um, we're a global company, so you only really work on local projects. Sure. Uh, but they had a sort of global meetup team that allowed you to switch who you were meeting up with on a day-to-day basis uh, and just have coffee with them like over over zoom Mm -hmm. and uh it was cool because i got to talk to people working on a bunch of different projects and hst was actually one of them and i got to talk to quite a few people about the uh, company culture over there and they didn't go too deep into the uh the details about what's going on with hst but it was really cool because i'd visited uh you know england in the past and uh i'd always thought that the rail system there was way better than what we had here in north america so yeah i find it interesting that your 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 rail network um hasn't caught on as much as europe's has do you think that might be just a a logistical issue with the terrain or do you think because obviously your 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 entire continent you have deserts and then you go all the way up to oregon and it's rainy and then you have like the Midwest, which is relatively flat, but then you have uh, more bumpier sort of states. Do you think it's just because it's it's a pain in the ass, or do you think it might be it might be a money thing? I don't know. What do you think? Is it a, a bit is it a big conspiracy from big oil, perhaps? <laughs> I, I I do think that there's a bit of a conspiracy there. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, it's it's a little blasphemous to take away from, oh, uh, American-made motors, right? Getting these American cars on the roads and using American cars. Uh, I feel like when I bike on the roads around Michigan, I feel like yeah. I get looks and stares. Why isn't this guy in a car? Um, <laughs> and the same thing with uh, if, I, if I have a Japanese car here in Michigan, for example. But the terrain, I don't think is that uh, terrible of an obstacle for us, because obviously Japan uh, has these similar sort of terrains where they have very mountainous regions uh, and there's trains in the desert and there's trains in England uh, where it's really flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that it has a little bit to do, and this is, you know, from a transportation engineer's standpoint of uh, trip calculations uh, mm-hmm. from trip generation to trip. Yeah, so trip generation is like sort of a theory of if you have point A, B, C, D in a, in a network, what's the odds that someone from point A wants to go to point B, C, D? And can you calculate an efficient way to make all of these trips sort of send enough cars back and forth? Because the right. idea is if you can balance it out, you have two lane traffic versus if you have it only going one way, you'll have traffic on one side and free flowing the other side. Right Now, that's even more important for things like trains where you don't take the vehicle you know, with you. So right. if you take a train from point A to point B and it's only going from A to B, then that train has to eventually go back to A to start. An empty train has to go back to A. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think with the U.S., it's not as easy to do because our cities are sort of split up in very weird ways. And our trip generation is very often from New York to L.A. I think that's one of the most frequent air flown paths. Yeah, in the world. I- yeah, exactly. It's one of the most frequently taken paths in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's really tough because, 
you know, it's so much easier to fly that. Um, it's harder to get that land in New York and LA to build the rails when you can just fly over it and land at LAX or, you know, LaGuardia or whatever the, you know, at JFK airport. I wonder what the time is between, I did actually fly it once. I did actually do New York to LA, but I can't remember what the, what the time was between the two, but, but the train would have to beat that time to be competitive because why would anybody take a slower form of transport, especially in this day and age? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've made the trip from uh, Detroit to LA twice now. And Detroit's closer than New York is, albeit mm -hmm. it's a smaller route and then maybe the faster planes aren't on this route, uh, but it is a lot faster. And I don't think that is any train unless it is one of those like maglev trains, which are so expensive to have to run uh, yeah. if you don't have that guaranteed ridership. Um, those maglev trains, I don't think would be able to, uh, would just be able to match the speed of the planes, so. Like you said, yeah, it's 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 tough to say why would I pay to take a slower trip, right? Right, unless it's for an environmental reasons. But you can't, I suppose. No one's there's not that many people who are going to be taking that form of transport. Yeah, uh, you can't you can't bank on that. So. Yeah, there's always going to be those people. Like I would take the train if, in, instead. You know, mm -hmm. get to see the scenes and not really worry about you know all of the security things that have to you have to deal with uh, sure. with air travel. Um, but that's the thing with trip generation is that if you have point A, point B, which is LA and New York, how many of those people are going to want to take the uh, the plane versus a train if those options were available to them? Yeah. And if there's not enough people wanting to take the option for the train, then is it really worth um, having that many trains that do go across America that way? Now, there are rails that will cross the US, but it's just it doesn't run frequently enough mm -hmm. to for it to be fruitful. And I think also maybe they're not as luxurious as sitting on a plane might be so that might also be a thing they might be a little bit slower again so uh trip generation is one of those theories in transportation engineering but so is like uh, mode selection mm -hmm. uh so that's sort of the second step of determining how someone will travel from point a to point um an interesting thing is in in my city so i live in a, in a city called bristol mm -hmm. and they have been talking about building an underground here for at least 20 years and it's never ever materialized so do you think underground rail railway systems are going out of fashion, perhaps? Or think my my council is stupid for uh, missing missing. I think I, I do think that there's a big place for uh, for like underground subway systems, um, underground railway. But the current, and I don't know if it's correct to to think this way, but I think the current lean is towards light rail, which is a lot of the times above ground. Yeah, uh, and before Detroit, I'm from Toronto, and if you've ever seen the maps of the subways around the world, uh, you know the London Tube is one of the most beautiful and elegant ones, uh, where it has like a ring or a couple of rings, and then a bunch of spokes to the wheel. So the wheel and spoke is one of those, uh, you know, the sought after designs. Whereas mm -hmm. Toronto has one going east and west, and then one going north and south, and it's very pathetic. <laughs> um, it's to the point where I was like, I should get a tattoo of something. When I left Toronto, I, sh I was like, I should get a tattoo of something to remind me of Toronto. And then the thought passed my mind, hey, maybe I should get a tattoo of the subway map because I take the subway a lot. Uh, and then I remembered, oh, it's just going to be two lines. It's going to be pretty pathetic tattoo. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I think that it, and there's a lot, uh, you know, there's a lot of merit for it still. I do think it is starting to go a little bit out of fashion, um, but especially for those big metropolises where like like you said, like land is very expensive and it's yeah. very sought after. Uh, mm -hmm. If you could just go underneath it, you know, Elon Musk, the super evil genius, thinks that's the plan too, right? 
Right. But um, I think it's adorable that you have... I mean, most people just take the tube for granted. But um, if you... You know, people go, oh, it's the tube, you just take it. But the fact that the London tube was built in the Victorian age, you know, and evolved from there, it really is quite impressive, you know, looking at it all. Absolutely. Um, and, and and like you said before, the, the different uh, elevations between the two tunnels, um, there's a few lines that are above each other. I will say, so you, you visited the, the London Underground, I'm assuming. Yeah, I spent about half a week in London and a couple of days up around Manchester. In what season did you visit? Uh, it would have been August. Oh, so it might have been a little bit hot. Yeah, there's there's some London Underground tunnels and they've been made with clay and it gets absolutely roasting. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because it, it absorbs all the heat uh-huh. and it doesn't have anywhere to go because, you know, you're down there. And yeah, they, they've come up with like so many different ways to try and disperse the heat. They even installed like industrial sized fans in some in some lines. Yeah, it's, it's a real it's a real problem. I, I think I do remember maybe being on one of those lines when I when I made the visit mm-hmm. that uh, it, it, it's more warm in the London Underground than it was in the Toronto Underground, our subway system. Yeah, thank you, Victorians, for that one. <laughs> but you also have a lot more options to choose from rather than walking uh, from, you know, our very limited selection of underground routes. So I guess pick and choose, right? There's that. It's it's also an absolute pain in the ass if you get lost because you're like, right, am I, which way am I going? <laughs> what oh. color do I need? Um, but no, you're right. You, you go where you need to go, which is, hey, what more do you need from a transportation system? Yeah, absolutely. So we have run out of time, which is unfortunate because I, I really like I like talking about stuff that people um, wouldn't think twice about, but actually is very interesting. Exactly like transportation, because you know everyone needs to get somewhere. So what we like to do to our guests at the end is give them a platform to promote something. So that can be themselves. They can give themselves a shout out, um, a person in their life, perhaps um, a cause, a charity, a project. Um, a message to the world, anything you can think of that you want to talk about, here is your chance, and I'm not going to interrupt you, so, well, unless you go off, off on a strange <laughs> tangent, but this is your time, so off you go. Oh, you can chat more than one thing, by the way, you can, you, can, you know, as many as you want. All right, cool. Well, I guess first and foremost, the person who did host me when I was in, uh, in London and in England, uh, Anna Marie, she was my guide and made sure that I didn't get lost. So I guess that's one shout out. When you mentioned a person, that was the first person that came to mind. Um, but a cause that I truly, you know, think about and fear, uh, feel a lot about is uh, FIRST Robotics. Um, it's where I got a lot of my passion for engineering and STEM and technology. Honestly, that's the first place I really thought, hey, I should become a drone pilot as a hobby. Uh, so First Robotics, if you've never heard about it, it's a competition for high school students. There's a lot of involvement from people who are no longer high, in high school as a coach uh, or as a mentor. And uh, it's it's really bringing everybody together to uh, compete in like kind of like sports, but you play it with robots. So you design the robot every year and uh, you, you compete at the world stage every year. So uh, my team's originally from a town nearby Toronto and uh, we've competed at the world championships for, you know, probably about 10 years now. So wow. Uh, hopefully we'll continue to and uh i'm no longer with them now that i moved to detroit but uh you know shout out to them cool yeah thank you i just also thank you so much for having oh. me here it's been great to talk about things you know so well likewise i was gonna say do you want to shout out yourself but <laughs> for being very selfless and <laughs> okay 
I'm not used to that. I'm not used to people uh, not wanting to shut themselves up, but it's fine. Very selfless. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Welcome back to a podcast with strangers. And I want to say a huge, big kiss on the forehead to Max and Lazaro for their um, wisdom, their guidance, their knowledge, um, and everything they taught us. I, I, I definitely enjoyed interviewing both of them. And I know way more about drones than I did before, which is like, that's the objective, right? That is, that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird being, you know, the conduit of knowledge. I, I don't think I've ever had that title. Better than being uh, the condom of knowledge. All right. So <laughs> thank you, dear audience, for listening time after time. We, I'll tell you something. We, we do actually have, well, I don't see it. Dallas sees it because Dallas is obviously the producer. But Dallas tells me, Dallas tells me a lot of things about the statistics of this. He says a thousand people are listening. I say, no way. He goes, a million people are no way. He says that there's a core number of you that tune in every week to listen. And I want to say that it's so, so cool to know that um, what me and Dennis have made together uh, features in your life. And I really like the fact that we are now um, part of some people's routine, perhaps. And it breaks my heart that we're going to have to, I'm, I'm just I'm forewarning you, but we're going to have to break at some point to, to record a season two. Also, I'm, this isn't a bit, I'm, I'm going in for surgery soon. So um, nothing serious. They're just taking an arm off. But um we, we're going to have to stop soon. We're going to have to have a little break. So I hope you join us in season two, but that won't be yet. You've got a few more episodes yet, but just be warned. We, we've learned so much in this season. Right. And I'm pretty sure season two is going to be like way better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, mostly I need to shut up during interviews. Um, so if you want to support us, you can by doing one simple thing. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate us five stars and leave a nice little review, a nice little comment. Um, that would be fantastic. You could also follow our Twitter, which is StrangersPDCST. That is at, with the big long A with the tail, StrangersPDCST. Um, and if you'd like to be on the show for season two, um, you can definitely uh, email us, uh, podcastwithstrangers at gmail.com. Be warned, I haven't actually checked the emails in a while. Still, I'm actually quite scared. Because um, you never know. You never know who's emailing you or who signed you up to something. So that's that's. You should just interview some of those, uh, you know, Nigerian princes or something that mm. keep emailing us. That would be pretty nice. I would actually quite like a knighthood. Yeah, freaking royalty. Royalty. Podcast. Ugh. Sir Jacob and Sir Dallas. Join us next week for... The Fine Arts episode. Yes. Yes, the Fine Arts. Where we're discussing the arts. Fine Arts. The, the fine ones. The Fine the, Arts. The small, insignificant arts. The arts that are not for, for prose and layabouts and scum. The weak and feeble Europeans would not understand. Join us, please, next week. Fine arts. You'll love it. Dallas, anything to add? Nope. All right. Fuck it. Bye. Bye. The word for this week is two. The word for this week is two. Dead, dead, medium. Good.